so grateful and so thankful that divine love, pure perfection, dynamic wholeness, beauty, truth, all of these spiritual qualities are our natural state. We're calling them forth. We're accepting our holiness and our wholeness. We're partnering up with the higher Holy Spirit self, and we're coming together to have a divine dialogue, to have a healing conversation, to have an experience of perfect wholeness and a revelation of truth. So grateful and so thankful to come together in love and joy and peace and harmony and to allow ourselves this time of transformation and awakening. We share the benefits with everyone. We share all the benefits of our healing and our upliftment with everyone. In gratitude, we let the healing be. We know it's done, and so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. Yes. Beautiful. So uh, I have a question, uh, a little housekeeping here. I am... Uh, I, I am proposing that, uh, well, I, we're going to do it. One of the things I'd like to do for the year one folks is to, for the folks like Jenny who are in Europe or who just can't come to the class um, because of the time of day it is, that there would be, they're miss, all missing out on the breakouts. And I can feel that that bothers some folks, which is understandable. And um, for the year one folks. And uh, so I've asked Angela if she would facilitate a weekly breakout for the year one folks that would be sometime around this time of day. And um, the way it would work would be that uh, this week's breakout would be uh, last week's in the class so that people would have a whole week or so to listen to the class and be um, prepared to do the breakout. Not that you need any real preparation. Um, but uh, because there's so much benefit from rather than just listening to a dialogue about something to actually participating in it and really being able to have that conversation and think about how these things uh, affect you. So, uh, and I'm thinking that it would be nice to also do one for the year two folks. So I just am curious, uh, it would be a 45 minute uh, breakout and anyone would be welcome to come. Uh, I have no idea yet what day we're going to do because we're going to put out a survey to the year one folks. And I guess we can do the same thing for the year two folks if we do one for the year two folks. So um, I, I don't feel called to do it for year three and Ascension Pathway. But if you were to participate in a year two or year one breakout that's happening for 45 minutes during the week at about this time. Would that be actually something that would appeal to you? Would you go to that? Would you participate? Just curious. Yeah. Elizabeth says, yeah. Great. Excellent. Anand says, yes. Terrific. Okay. So that, that's coming. And, um, and it would be wonderful if you do participate in it. Um, because there are just so many ahas that happen when we're actually discussing our own stuff versus uh, listening to me talk about it or someone else talk about it. So that's why I'm just loving these breakouts. And um, Spirit gave me a great breakout for this week, which Elizabeth and Carla know very well. And we're going to do it again. Yeah, baby. Harvesting the wisdom. So, uh, yeah, it was just really powerful and good. So um, what I'm going to invite you to do is to, you're going to need pen and paper for this. Uh, so because you're going to do some writing. I mean, you could do it on your computer, but 
I, I think it's always better to write it by hand for most people if it's possible. And so I will give you some direction once you get that pen and paper. What you're going to be doing is, and specifically what we did in the year one class is we're in our relationship classes, our relationship reboot series there. It's always different every year, totally different every year in many ways, even though it includes much the same basics. So this this portion is totally new, and that's one of the reasons why I'm doing it with you, because you haven't had a, a chance to do it. So uh, I, I think it's great to do it on the topic of relationship, though you can certainly do it on any topic. So we'll do it on relationship here because relationship is the greatest tool that we have for our healing. So what I am asking you to do is to put aside for a moment what you're practicing in Masterful Living and just be an observer and to make a list. I'm just going to give you two minutes to make a list of the things that the your ego brings up that you want or need in your relationships. So it's a sense of craving, wanting, needing. So I'm going to ask you to write statements like, I want this, I need that. So it might be, you know, I, I want my husband to start emptying the dishwasher. I need my daughter to call me more than once a week. Uh, what what are the feelings, the emotions, the needing, wanting, craving that you have? Just put aside your perhaps your more high-minded resistance to energizing it. We're going to go all the way through and learn something here. So two minutes to make a list of need and want statements regarding your relationships. Go. Okay. So now the next thing is, and I'm just pausing the audio so the person who is listening later can pause and write uh, however they'd like to do it if they want to do two, more than two minutes. And uh, so now I'm going to invite you to write the same exact statements all over again, but say, I'd like. So instead of I want, I need, I'd like. Same statements, changing, wanting and needing to, I'd like. Go. So finishing up there, 
All right. So the next thing is to write the same exact statements over again with the deep desire of my heart is. So instead of I'd like, the deep desire of my heart is. Writing the exact same statements over again. So there's such a, a transformation that happens when we go from wanting and needing and craving to just simply, I'd like. I'd like this. And what I have found is just moving through my life, spirit, when I feel like I, I don't like how things are, I notice that my higher self kind of taps me and says, what would you like? Because I can have a tendency to go to complaining or to go to, oh, gosh, I don't like this. And spirit will go, just tap me and say, what would you like instead? And I, I, I keep training myself to just go not dwell in what I don't like. That's not helpful to me. It just creates more of the same. And I... I spent so much of my life in a cesspool of complaining. I'm not interested in that anymore. So I, I really love the empowerment that comes from not enjoying this, which to me feels like a more neutral, non-judgmental, not complaining statement to not enjoying this. What would I like? I would like this. I would like help bringing in the groceries. I would like somebody else to empty the dishwasher. I would like to feel appreciated. I would like to feel that what I'm doing is worthwhile. I would like to feel at ease. I would like to feel appreciative. I would like to feel grateful. I would like someone else to do the dishes. I would like somebody else to make dinner, whatever it might be going on for you, just really just start to say things like that. Because I have found, and it is nothing short of miraculous, it is completely miraculous, that the more I take out the trash in my mind, and my mind is neutral, the more I find myself uh, in the zero state, as Hugh Lynn would say, then I find that I am, uh, I'll say I'd like, and what do you know? Here it comes. Because I don't have an attachment to it anymore. It's just something I'd like, and why not? Why the universe is a constant giver. It never stops giving and providing, ever. So if we wish to learn through pain, here you go. So many painful opportunities to learn. As many as you would like. You can have them all. You can have painful opportunities to learn in your relationships, in your workplace, in your finances, in your body. How many would you like? Whatever you'd like. We've got more. You know, we've got an unending supply of whatever you'd like. So what would you like? And, you, you know, I remember... When uh, I would go on these meditation retreats with Michael Beckwith, and one time he said something like, <coughs> in, um, in meditation, people tend to experience the devil's pitchfork, which is a three-pronged fork, that, and it's the three things are the things you hate, the things you love, and the things you cherish, or need or want, craving, whatever wherever you are with it. Those are the three things that keep circulating in your mind if you're trying to meditate and, and be clear. The things you hate, the things you, you love, and the things you are craving. So, um, and that's how our mind is throughout the day a lot of the time, right? What we fear, what we dislike, what we're craving, it's, I think it's more that the things we fear, the things we dislike, and the things we're craving. That sounds more like a devil's pitchfork. So um, 
we can transform these things and we can get in the habit of doing it. So I'm going to invite you to try this as a remedy if you feel distressed about something. So, um, for instance, Sue, when you were going through that difficult time uh, with your son-in-law, you, you could have just made a list of what do you want, what do you need, and then transformed it into like and the deep desire of my heart. And you see that we did this in 10 minutes, right? The, that part of the exercise was 10 minutes. That's pretty fast to have transformation, 10 minutes. So you do have to sit down and do it. You, of course, you could do it as a spoken thing. You could do it while you're driving the car, right? There's no reason why you couldn't do it on the way to work, clear yourself out on the way to work or the way home from work, things like that. I'm all for that. Uh, and I like to speak things out loud as well so I can really feel the vibration of it. Now, uh, as I, I've been sharing in doing this, one of, I think, the most helpful parts for a lot of people in A Course in Miracles is the section about this need not be. If you feel sad, if you feel all different kinds of emotions, it goes through. Uh, and it starts with, if I remember correctly, it starts with depression. It says, if you feel depressed, no, this need not be. Because the cause of depression is that you feel or believe you are deprived of something that you want. You're deprived of something that you want. But the truth is that only you can deprive yourself of anything. Only you can deprive yourself of anything. And uh, many, many people you know, feel depressed. So uh, you all remember that whenever it was... 20 years ago, we were experiencing the Prozac nation that was in the news. I don't remember exactly when that was. It feels like it was 20 years ago or so. And and how many of you, um, I mean, it, I, I don't think there's anything wrong or right about antidepressants. They're just something that is part of this human experience. And I've worked with a lot of people coming off antidepressants in a healthy way, uh, doing this spiritual work. And I, I've worked with a lot of people who had chronic depression, chronic, years and years of depression, who went off their antidepressants doing this work that we're doing. And um, you probably all know quite a few people who are on antidepressants, right? And a lot of spiritual people don't even want to talk about it because they have shame around it. So they're doing something that they, they judge or feel ashamed about. And, uh, and that, of course, doesn't relieve depression. Um, but it's all, what's it all for? It's for the healing of our mind. It, all of it is to trigger stuff and bring it up for our attention. So of Course in Miracles says that the cause of depression is that we feel deprived of something we want or need. And since only we can deprive ourselves by closing our mind to it, by seeking outside of ourselves, by shutting ourselves off to the flow of love, we can actually stop depriving ourselves. Or we can look at it in a different way and not feel deprived anymore. So we have options. And that's why A Course in Miracles says, if you feel deprived, no, this need not be. If you feel depressed, this need not be. If you feel sad, this need not be. And it goes on and on throughout the section. So what I'd like to do in the breakout is to invite you to read your statements to your partners in the breakout. Read your statements and read all of them so that you can really feel the transition from one energetic to another. That's part one. And then part two is to really look at that, that feeling of wanting and needing. What is the belief 
that is bringing you that wanting, needing, craving feeling? What is the belief? So let's let's get an example here. Um, and since uh, Elizabeth, since you've done this before, I wonder if you would be willing to say something on your list that you've had uh, a wanting and needing, and what is the underlying thought or belief that's bringing up that feeling of lack? Well, uh, first of all, I, I, I would like to say that because you've taught this in the past, I have already been policing my my um, my thinking, and and so I I mostly do not use the word want or need. And right. So I'm correcting as I'm going along, and even if I say the word, yeah. I say, oh no, uh, cancel clear delete that, and then I go on to I like I would like. Uh, but I haven't gone to the deep desire of my heart is, uh, which I think is the highest and best. So, uh, and now I will. So, uh, the first one that I want, I said, first one that I said is, I want my supreme divine compliment slight slash nice man uh, to come into my life now. And I think the reason he is not in my life now is that I, I've had walls up and I, I haven't uh, been willing to allow a relationship, uh, and, and clutter is just one of the walls. And right. um, I think alienating and um, isolating, being a hermit and a recluse, is like all the rest of the walls. Right. So, well, here, here's a question. So um, one of the aspects of this is to take responsibility for the the experience of lack. That's that's the wanting and the needing and the craving. So I hear you doing that. And um, one thing to just look at with that, Elizabeth, and this applies to all of us in, in many ways with things. So the the sense of the isolating or withdrawing, uh, hermiting, uh, and the clutter, is it that you believe that there isn't a, a wonderful man that would be attracted and interested in being in relationship with you because of those things? Or, no. No, I, I, I feel worthy of it, uh, but uh, perhaps it wasn't not ready yet. I, I, as I look back now, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Um, I can see now that this time of aloneness, of isolating, of hermiting has been very healing, healing many, many deep wounds, and I'm very grateful for it instead of being... Um, you know, like in a victim place of that God didn't allow him to come. It didn't have anything to do with God. I didn't allow him to come. Right. Yeah. Right. Have you always had the clutter? Yes. It, it's, um, I, I take ownership of that pattern for myself, but both sisters have the pattern. My mother had the pattern. Her mother had the pattern. And I think it went back at least two generations, if not further back. But it's stopping right here, right now with me. Yeah. So the deep desire of your heart is around the clutter. Oh, to clear all the clutter and uh, to release it, not have any attachment to it. Let it go. I know okay. I can leave it. All right. So once that's complete and it's all gone, there's no more clutter, what will you have? Uh, a a clear living space and you know you have to get used to it you have to get used to being in like a hotel room that doesn't have stuff everywhere it, it's an acclimation it's a, I don't want to say a process because I think it could happen in a heartbeat but but for me it is a process of, mm -hmm. of actually feeling comfortable without all the stuff there I've used it as emotional padding 
Okay, so what I would invite you to do is take that deep desire of the heart and instead of having it be to clear the clutter, the deep desire of my heart is to live in a space that is, and then describe the space. And I wouldn't describe it as free of clutter. I'd say that is perfectly harmonious and beautiful and pristine in a way that feels so supportive and nourishing to my spirit. I, I agree. I yeah. Agree. Great. I can see now that it would be helpful to have like a, a separate notebook and to do a process like you did, Jennifer, and, and just write for hours a day, the deep desire of my heart is, the deep desire of my heart is, the deep desire of my heart is. I, I can see now with the class yesterday and the class today, how transformative that is possible to be. Yeah. It really is. It really is. Yes. And the universe response. I think you've taught that all along, beginning in, in Massful Living 1, but I couldn't hear it any better until now. Perfect. Yeah. Excellent. Yes. That's great. So that this is the process that I'm inviting you to in your breakout, is to come to a place of taking responsibility for the wanting and the needing. Because many people... Maybe not any of you, but many people that, let's say, you know, I need or want my spouse to, uh, whatever it might be, to uh, come home earlier for work, to uh, not be on their phone all weekend, or whatever it is that you, you might like, the, the tendency is to make a meaning of that. And just, you know, I'm not good enough, they don't really love me, uh, they're avoiding me, or whatever it might be. But instead to take responsibility for how, for the needing and the wanting, and how it is showing up on the screen of the life. So what is it that you really need, you really are craving? So, uh, because we think, like on the surface, it might be that we could say, well, Elizabeth just wants companionship. She just wants sex, and she just wants someone to take care of her or someone to validate her. Of course, we know Elizabeth, so we know that that's not it, and there's nothing wrong with uh, having a desire for sex. That's pretty healthy and normal, and um, and it's a wonderful way to come into union and communion with another being. Um, and so there is a deeper desire there too uh, because relationship is the greatest healer that we have for transformation of the ego. It really is. I, I, I know it's relationships and, and it's the body, healing the body. Having a healthy body. So um, looking at it from some of those wants and needs from that perspective. So uh, I, I'm, I'm going to uh, go into a breakout. Does anybody have any questions before the breakout? Anand. There. Uh, I, I was just going to say um, I noticed... Uh, with the deep desire thing uh, that most of mine are, are kind of like in the direction that you said. And then one of them was kind of, you know, how Elizabeth was saying that she, her deep desire was to remove the clutter, but you said, well, why don't we think about it in a positive sense instead of thinking about what you want, the negative thing, you want the negative thing gone. How about we energize what the positive thing is and remove the negative thing. So I noticed that one of my biggest deep desire had a lot of that a lot of like i want this to be gone i want that negative thing to be on that negative thing to be gone. so i was wondering if i could have a second to change that or whether i should just do that on the fly in the group i was thinking maybe i should write it out or maybe other people may want to change that too or write it in a different one more exercise where you are able to reframe those deep desires uh 
So it's not like I want to get rid of this bad thing, but I would like to have this. this yeah, I think once you, so everybody's going to read their statements first and then discuss it. So I think that'll be a valuable part of your discussion. Great. Yeah, that's what it feels like to me. Good, good. All right. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give each uh, person uh, six minutes. That's a key point is taking responsibility for the lack that's showing up is I want, I need, I crave, I don't have, I can't stand, I don't like. Uh, our last participant was not able to share uh, her second portion of time, and I felt kind of bad that she wasn't able to to have that, uh, be able to share that. So I just wanted to bring that up because we, the other two were able to share everything and then uh, I just felt like she got cut off so I, I didn't know whether we could do anything about that. I'm, I'm curious how is it that that happened? Um, I think that what we were talking about was some sort of deep as far as our revelations that we were having regarding these issues so I think that there was a lot more to discuss than we expected right away. Like the first part was pretty quick as far as just listing them off. But the second part was like really like shifting our mind as far as thinking about these things that we'd never really thought of in this way. So I think it just ended up taking longer than we, and we were wanting to be respectful of the people speaking because they were really sort of experiencing uh, these thoughts for the first time and, and dealing with, so we don't want to interrupt them as far as you know, getting in the way of that process because these were sort of new insights. Yeah. Yeah, you know, sometimes I can say too is I uh, my uh, I I sometimes feel concerned that some people are going to think, you know, these breakouts are too long. Does anybody ever feel like, oh, these breakouts are way too long? You ever feel that? No. Like, definitely no, or like, yeah, I do sometimes. Okay, all right, that's good learning. That's good learning. So, uh, well, now we, we have plenty of time for sharing. And, you know, what I also say is you all know each other well. So in your group, Anand, um, you can always – Say to those people, hey, let's let's reconvene after the class. Something like that. Take you know an extra five minutes. Nope, I think most people would be totally open to that. So, um, and I, I presume you all know how to reach each other. And if not, you can make that arrangement right now. Sue, can we can we just stay on the on Zoom? Yes, I can stop the recording and let you uh, reconvene as you wish, or make a, another appointment. So I'm really glad you brought that up, Anand. That's excellent. So yeah, this is such a deep, deep exercise, a really deep exercise. And I'm glad that you're recognizing that. It's that's a powerful thing. So what uh, what makes it so deep? What makes it so powerful? Elizabeth. Well, for me, it's the it's the it's the shift in energy when I was writing want or need it almost felt like a taboo thing because I policed that out and and so then it was like a relief to get to I'd like and then um, the deep desire of my heart is is like uh, a whole whole iteration higher uh, and, and 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 so that's the place that I would like to be that's where I, I, I would like to be creating is uh, the deep desire of my heart. And I've, I've never had that realization before, and this exercise has made that very clear. 
I'm so glad. I am so glad. Yes. Beautiful. Anybody else? Anna? Well, for me, the reason that I think for me it was uh, kind of a uh, deep experience was because there were some things that came up when I was writing about my relationship with my wife that um, I, feel, I feel like I'm still holding on to some things. And uh, so I hadn't really thought about it much. Um, and when I have thought about it in the past, I've been sort of working uh, past it. I've been sort of looking past it and sort of, I have sort of been working with it consciously without writing things down. Um, and I think that thinking about it kind of brings up some emotions within me about it. And like kind of like where I'm not quite sure. It's like a muddy water type of thing. I'm not quite sure um, <coughs> how I feel about those things. And I don't want to, I feel like, I feel like I have a better understanding of the direction I want to take after this. Now I feel very clear that it's not really, I don't really need to focus on these desires I have or these wishes I have of her rather than, because somebody else who spoke in our, the reason I'm saying somebody else, I just want to put anybody on the spot. Uh, the other person who was in our class, she said a bunch of stuff about what her desires were. And I, when she said those things, it reminded me of things that my wife would sure love if I were doing those things that, that she had expressed. So, um, so yeah, I kind of realized I just need to refocus and not really focus so much on these things that I may, may or may not want, but focus on what she wants rather than what I want. And, uh, I feel like there's so many things to be appreciative about rather than focusing on these things that aren't happening that this way in this form. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of left a little bit of a heaviness in my mind or my heart about it, but I think it'll be fine. Um, I'm not too worried about it. Yeah. So the heaviness is the judgments coming up for healing. Hidden judgments coming up for healing. Yeah, no, you're right. Absolutely. I can see that for sure is that when I see my wife in this manner um, of, yeah, there's judgment associated with that. And uh, it's like some shoulds. Yeah. And it's kind of like, almost like I want her to be one way, but if she was, was that way, would I still like, am I pushing her to be the way that she's coming at me, you know, and I know the whole one mind thing, but I don't want to talk about that right now. But, uh, but yeah, I feel like, you know, if I had, get, I know that it would have caused her to sort of be this way. Uh, and I know that I've had a part to play in that and I'm just healing now over the last year. So she's been struggling with me being sort of crazy for like eight years, you know? So, uh, I don't know. I mean, I kind of, there's a sense of blame for myself or a sense that I can't be close to her because every time I tried to be close, every time she tried to be close with me, there was a sense of resistance that I had about it. Like some sort of sense of there's all these things, all these issues I've had in the past because I've known her for like 20 years now. And um, I don't know, there's a lot of baggage there. And I'm getting over it. It's way better now than it used to be a couple of years ago when I first started thinking about the baggage, there's a lot of blame there, but now it's kind of like, what, I don't, I can't, there's some block somewhere in this whole thing, and I can't really put my finger on what that is, what this resistance is, why I can't seem to break through and be closer, what my resistance is, what I'm afraid of, and all these things, there's so many things here that it's just kind of like I'm staring at this giant, like, I was going to swear at a giant, like, effing thing, like, here. And so I'm kind of kind of irritated about it, honestly. Um, but it'll, it's all right, you know. I have the answers. I just need to follow through with them. Well, here's the thing. I think what you're sharing is so helpful to all of us, Anand. So uh, I think every single one of us is familiar with that sense of frustration in relationship that it feels like a big effing thing, that it's just – it's overwhelming. It's it's uh, it's mysterious. It's confusing. It's um, never seems to go away. All these different kinds of thoughts that we each have about uh, relationship patterns. 
Well, and you I, know, I feel I just feel so much guilt about so many things that I've judged her by and these things that I can't undo from the past, you know, for twenty years of stuff. And uh, Right. Right. It's really heavy stuff. And uh I mean, it's just like we we've gotten over a lot of stuff. We really have. Um but that closeness isn't there exactly. It's it's good. Things are way better than they were and it's maybe leading to that closeness, perhaps, that we would both like. But I just I just feel really bad for her. I feel I just feel very very bad for her. I I, don't, I can't explain it. I just I just feel so sad for her, and I don't know how to fix it. She lost two babies, and she has no friends besides me. And she works her ass off every day. She hates her job, and. Uh, I just I wish that I could help her, and I am helping her as much as I can, and she appreciates it. But it's just it's such a shame because she's so intelligent and smart and wonderful, and she just can't be that person because of all this stuff that's in her head and in her heart. Her dad died last year. Just so much stuff is going on with her. I can't and I can't have I I can't make all of you guys her friends. Her friend, you know, I can't have her just join the class because she won't and she doesn't want to. So she's kind of stuck in this isolated place. And I'm the person, you know, who's trying to help her. But I just feel really bad for her. When I think about it, I feel really bad for her. But but I feel better for sharing that. So thanks for listening to all that. Years, years of stuff. Years. It feels like lifetimes ago. I mean, I was, I was less than 20 when I met her, right? I think. Now I'm 43, 42, or something like that. <laughs> so it's just crazy. It's just crazy. I, you know, we were in college. And now we're like thinking about how we're gonna die soon. It's so weird. <laughs> Uh. Anyway, I don't think we're going to die soon. I think there's some time left on that. But you never know, you know? Anyway, sorry about uh, throwing that out at you guys. Everybody loves it when somebody's like, death, ah. <laughs> I have kind of a strange sense of humor, if you haven't noticed yet. You've noticed that. <laughs> Our love for you is unconditional. Well, I appreciate that. I love all of you guys, too. So, the guilt that you said you were feeling, Yeah. it really is the... The guilt that we all feel for having turned away from spirits in our mind. And it's focalized into guilt about these kinds of things. Um, you know, one of the things that having children does teach people, and I have, don't have children either, as you know, but having children, being around children, being very close to children, one of the things you learn is that children are going to do mean things. They are going to hit each other and hurt each other intentionally. They're going to reach out and smack each other. And they are going to break each other's things intentionally and unintentionally. And they are going to say, uh, I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. They're going to do all of these kinds of things. And what parents learn in that experience is they learn how to love their children unconditionally, let them experience and process all that without attacking them, without judging them. And, and, and holding them. 
and not holding it against them, but holding them in their heart. That's what the ideal parent would do. That's what God does for us. Right? Sounds to me like a 20-year uh, relationship. <laughs> it's the yeah. same thing. Yeah, I mean, that's what I've learned, you know, is that after a while, it doesn't matter what they say. They can say anything, you know. It doesn't matter because you love them anyway. And, uh, and you know that they don't mean it. And you know that they feel the same way when you say stupid things, you know, that you don't mean it. And that, you know, that just being there for the other person is all that really matters. So, yeah, it feels like raising a kid. She's, like, raising me. I'm raising her. And that's how it is now. Before, it was different than when we were younger. But definitely now, it just seems more like we're, because we're in our 40s now. So it's that, that youth part is, that's gone. The adolescent love thing is over. Um, but it's matured into a whole other whatever, much better than it was. So it's like raising a kid. It really is. Uh, an adult kid. <laughs> and she has to do the same with me, too. So, you know. And that's the gift of maturity that comes. You know, I, I think of my relationships with my family and my friends, my particularly my family, if they do something that seems off, I, I, I don't really let it bother me much anymore because I know where they stand, and we all act nutty sometimes. And we all lose perspective sometimes. We all do. Uh, pretty much everyone does. And uh, that's part of life. And the, the in an ideal relationship, you you love people back on track. You don't, when they fall down, you don't step on them, push them down, and yell at them and abandon them. You say, let me help you up. Don't worry about it. I'll dust you off. Yeah, you said some mean, hurtful things. And uh, I don't appreciate that, but we can talk about it later. Talk about it later. Talk about what's really going on later. So that's, uh, that the feeling sad for her is uh, many of us have that with our loved ones. We can feel really sad for them for the choices that they're making and how they're doing things. But the thing for us when we feel that is to look at what are the judgments that we're projecting onto them? That their life should be different. Almost always when we feel sad, it's we think it should be different. It would be better if it were different. And then we can turn it to, you know what? I'd like it to be different. So spirit, show me my part in this and show me how to transform it. Because the Holy Spirit will absolutely, without question, the Holy Spirit will undo all the consequences of every decision that was not made in love. All the consequences of every decision that was not made in love will be undone, including every heinous act by anyone ever. If we ask, let all those consequences be undone. And I know a lot about this because I used to act out so much and be unkind so often. So I've really, I've really relied upon the Holy Spirit to undo all the consequences. So that's the gift that you can give her. You can call upon that. And you can see her with even more clarity. And that will affect her. Yeah, no, we've made a lot of uh, progress in the last year, for sure. I, I mean, have, yeah. The whole relationship has really changed. But um, there's a part of me that keeps thinking that I'm so used to her having uh, depressing thoughts or being tired a lot or being resistant towards these things that I have a little bit of resentment about it. And... Uh, I feel like there's a part of me almost that almost doesn't want to see her happy, which is a weird thing. When I realize that, it's like, I'm like, what what is wrong with me for having these ideas? Because I'm so used to her being this way, and I know how to sort of solve that. I know what to say. If she's unhappy, I know how to console her. I know how 
I know the right things to say. I know how to be the strong person in that situation. I know those things. And I think maybe there's some fear of the unknown that if she's happy and maybe, I don't know, there's some sort of Pandora's box there that I don't understand. And I feel like maybe there's something I'm doing that's not allowing her. And maybe I'm even wrong about that. Like, I might, there may not even be something that I'm doing, honestly. Like, I feel like I'm doing the best I can. I need to let that go, this whole thing go. But there's just, a, like I said, there's a lot there, and I don't really understand all of it. But I, I will look at these judgments that may be hidden, um, that I may be carrying. Uh, if, if I am having these feelings of guilt and I am having these thoughts about this and all that, there must be judgments that are sort of a foundation for these things. So if I don't look at them, that is the way to keep them, right? So I need to look at them to let them. Uh, well, Yes, that's wise and responsible. And many people have experiences where if they are on an ego level, which, you know, we're all working with our ego transformation, that, well, if, if my spouse is really happy, well, then maybe they wouldn't need me anymore. Maybe they wouldn't want me anymore. They'd want someone else instead, and they would leave me. But now, because they're not so happy, not so satisfied, whatever it might be in each person's case, they are dependent upon me. So that's my relationship security. Yeah. Yeah, I used to feel that way for sure. And uh, another side of me wants to see her confident. And I see that she breaks through sometimes and she's she is confident and she's very She's super intelligent, and she knows all the spiritual stuff. I mean, we've been talking about this for 20 years or whatever, you know, and so she gets the stuff. I mean, she'll explain things to me all the time. It's not at all a one-way thing. I mean, she gets this stuff a lot, very much, and she's very forgiving. With what she's been through in her life, I don't know how she's that forgiving, but that's helped her, and so she's learned to be that way, and it's amazing. Like, most people wouldn't even imagine the things that she's been through. So she's taught me an incredible amount of things. Um, but, yeah, so that confidence is uh, its its something that I guess I wanted to see because I grew up in that environment. My mother was very confident. My father was very confident. They both are very confident, powerful type of people. And so I come from that sort of background. And Linda is also very kind of a strong, powerful type of woman. And so I respect that very much, and I, I, I like to see that confidence uh, in my partner, you know, I like to see that. It feels really empowering to when you're around that kind of confidence. And I know that's who she is, but she's got some strange ideas. Not strange ideas, but just ideas in her mind that are sort of, uh, that maybe are her challenge to go beyond those ideas right now. Give it up to the Holy Spirit for healing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I can't do this on my own. That's for sure. I just gotta let. I just gotta give it to the Holy Spirit. And what I know is confidence comes from being loving. So there may be more opportunities you can give to her to be more loving through you becoming more receptive to love. Yeah, I have some weird issue with being receptive to love, and I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't. What do I do? I I just I just have to give it to the Holy Spirit, I guess. Because I don't. You practice. You practice. Yeah. You're intentional. You start to notice. Like start to really notice when your wife is expressing love and you maybe push it away. Yeah. Or your prayer partners or your your parents. Yeah, I'll look at that for sure. Yeah, I, I, I know um, some people like to be caregivers, but they don't like to have anybody take care of them. Well, I used to I used to like having being taken care of because my mom would be very, if I, something goes on with me or if I wasn't feeling well, my parents would both give me a lot of attention. And I think Linda resented that for a while because I, I don't know what, maybe she didn't have that when she, she didn't for sure have that when she was growing up at all. And uh so when she saw me being that way with my mom, she was would say very mean things to me about it. 
Um, and it made me, I think in a way, it sort of pushed me away from receiving love anymore because I felt it was some sort of weakness or something. I don't know, something weird. Um, so I stopped. There was a time when my mom was being very comforting to me when I was working for her, and I literally pushed her away from me, you know. And I would have never done that in the past, but I did, you know, because I, I felt like it was somewhat emasculating or something at the time. Um, but so I don't know. There was a shift. I wasn't always like that. I used to want to have that love showered on. Who wouldn't want that love showered on them? But then the idea crept in my mind that maybe to be tough and to be resilient and that if you're tough and resilient, you don't need that. You know, you don't need other people's approval and love and all that. So you sort of decide, okay, I don't need it. I don't want it. Forget it. You know, I can live without it. I'll be fine. And I'll just give my love. Or, But there's no – I don't know. I'm not able to receive it very well. I don't, I don't know why. Maybe I explained why already. <laughs> but I blame that on my wife, you see? See how cunning that is? Yeah, so take responsibility for it and yeah. begin to watch for it. And remember, all love is God sending love. So be yes. receptive to God's love, however it's flowing towards you. Yeah. And and there is, as you well know, Anna, there's a very distinct difference between somebody being loving and someone being manipulative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Luckily, I don't, I don't have that in my life. Uh, all the pe- close people to me are not manipulative at all. They're very integrated and uh, authentic people. So I don't have that trouble. There's one person who tries to manipulate him, but manipulate me, but I don't let him. Maybe let your dog lick your face more. <laughs> oh, he's awesome. You should. Oh, he knows when you're upset and sad. He just comes right up and starts licking your head. When you're sad and he, you don't have to. Both it happened to my wife and me, at separate times. When she was sad, this one time. And she, he just came up to her and she started licking her on the on the head, and uh, he's like a rescue dog, you know. Yeah, yeah, dogs are wonderful for that reason. Yeah, yeah, he's he's so wonderful. They are great receivers of love, and they are great givers of love. Yeah, Most, for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When you start rubbing him, he just falls backwards on the sofa. And it's like, give me more. You know, he stretches out. And like, he, he doesn't, like, stop and be like, no, that's too much. No, he's like, come on, lay it on me, you know. So. <laughs> I've yet to meet a dog that's like, okay, stop. <laughs> you know, I don't want any more. Yeah. Well, thank you for being so transparent and sharing that with us, Anand. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for listening. Uh, it's a lot of stuff there that uh, – I'm glad I was able to let it out, and I'm glad that uh, it it's not kind of uh, as painful as it would have been some months or years back. Yeah. It's not, it's not feeling burdensome at all because of the progress I've made with you guys. Yeah. So. Beautiful. And uh, sorry if I dominated the class, everybody. <laughs> I hope you guys got something from all that. I know we did. I know we did. So we are at time here. I want to see if anybody else has anything they're burning to share. We can definitely take a couple more minutes for that. Any, any, maybe just a, a brief statement or two of any ahas you had? Anyone? Sue. Well, when I. When I was reading, um, you know, when I wrote as um, I want or I need, um, that was one thing. And then um, and it shifted, the energy shifted when I said I would like. And then it really shifted when I said um, this is a deep desire of my heart. And I realized that... <laughs> It was just ego stuff. It wasn't that important to me. Exactly. Exactly. 
Yes. So say a little bit more about that. Well, like, can you give us an example? Yeah. Um, well, one thing I wrote was uh, I want my husband to put his dirty dishes in the dishwasher instead of leaving them in the sink or the counter. And um, and <laughs> that's not the deep desire of my heart. My deep, the deep desire of my heart is for him to be happy and feel like this is his home. And um, you know, if he wants to leave things around, that's all right. Um, so it, it just all shifted when I, you know, and then, and then, uh, uh, one, one of my needs is for him to help me with the yard work, which he does, but <laughs> I have to keep prodding, you know, um, and, um, uh, and, and it's because, I don't have the strength or the energy that I used to have to do all this stuff, but he doesn't either. Yeah. So we might need to look at how we can afford to pay for, pay somebody else to do it. Uh huh. Because it does need to be done. So, yeah, so that, you know, I, I, he does so many things for me, and he's so loving. You know, the, these things are just ego stuff, most of it. Yeah. Yep. It's true, and we think about things like if they were gone, we would wish that we had their dishes to do. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So I'm I'm glad you're still here. I'm glad I'm still picking up your socks and doing your dishes. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's the healing is the pain is a wrong perspective, right? We shift our perspective, and now we have a different feeling about things. And uh, it does take just looking at things a little more deeply, just a little more deeply for just a minute or two, and we can totally transform that pain into a new perspective. And we learn to do this because we're loving ourselves. Because we won't allow ourselves to be tortured anymore. Or inconvenienced or hurt or pained. We just like, we are too precious. Our beingness is too precious to allow ourselves to suffer over these thoughts that aren't even true. Yeah. So good to be able to just have an honest conversation about these things. Yes. Beautiful. All right. So I'm going to pray us out. Thank you for that, Sue. I'm going to pray us out. And then I will stop the recording, and those who would like to remain can remain. Maybe that'll be a new policy. Those who would like to remain can remain. Remainders of the day. All right. So grateful, so thankful for the love of God, so grateful and thankful that Joy and peace and harmony, the wisdom, the clarity, the freedom, the all good of God is shining in our heart and our mind. We're recognizing it. We're grateful to partner up with the Holy Spirit and take responsibility for our thoughts and our feelings and to remember to laugh. We are grateful and thankful that we have the ability and the awareness to give to the Holy Spirit the heavy lifting of anything that's bothering us. 
we're truly grateful to take a stand for truth, a stand for peace, a stand for love and self-compassion in our lives. We are grateful to broadcast the healing that we are experiencing and we share the benefits with everyone because we are one with them. In gratitude, we allow it to be. And so it is. Amen. 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 Mwah. Bye for now. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks.